do these elliptical workout sessions while listening to this online course. It's dope. I'm just, I'm digging nice. that so much. I had another session today. It felt very enlightening, very cleansing. I'm there 30 minutes into it. I'm like breaking a sweat. And while I'm sweating, eyes closed, he's doing these meditations that I'm sure he didn't envision people on an elliptical sweating profusely doing, <laughs> but it kind of works for me and yeah. things are happening. I'm learning new things. I'm experiencing new things. I'm digging it. Dope. And I had, last time I did the ellipticals, he was doing like a session where he, and maybe I'll send you the audiobook because I don't, maybe it just works for me right now, but give it a listen, maybe. For the, for the course that you're listening to? Yeah, it's not like it's an audiobook, yeah. but when you listen to it, it's clearly a course and not a book, uh -huh. right? It's yeah. like just one yeah, dope. exercise dope. after the other. But for me so far, they've been more or less easy to follow along and I've gotten interesting little insights out of it. I'll share the, the audiobook with you. But the last time that I listened to it, I did a bunch of sessions. And then towards the end, he started a new exercise and he asked, well, for this one, let's look at a conflict you had recently where you had a difficult time deciding what to do or whatever, whatever. And I remember I stopped it and thought, all right, I've done enough. I'll listen to this another time. But I also for maybe a lingering moment was considering what's something that's a current conflict. And now it seems so obvious to me, but yesterday it was kind of not that easy to answer. So I thought, oh, interesting. Well, we'll attack this again tomorrow. And then today he said, just pick a, a conflict, even now, either now or something that pops up later. And then what popped to my mind was the more obvious conflicts that I have around the concept of like love and relationships. And I thought, all right, although I don't quite feel like this is maybe something, this is something I have, I think, cultivated as an approach. It's been serving me really well, which is when something comes to mind, especially in these kind of more meditative practices or more what I would call digging in the subconscious, right? When you throw questions into the abyss of your mind, when things are thrown back at me and I catch them, there's always an impulse to debate and throw back in and go, no, something else to just wait with your hands. This isn't good. You throw the apple back and you're like, mm -hmm, I'm looking mm -hmm. for another fruit. Yeah. But oftentimes, yeah. you know, I, I catch myself and I think, well, if this popped up, Maybe we should take a look at this, you know, independently if ah. it's good or bad. Or if I think, ah, oh, there yeah. should be a better thing, a better conflict. I've already, I've already resolved so much about this. Or I've already thought about it so much. I've, I've, today, I don't feel like it's a problem anymore. But it came to me, right? When I thought about conflict, the topic of relationship and love was thrown out of the abyss into my hands. And so maybe there's something to see here, something to experience, something to learn. So I stayed with it, not fully excited, but sort of submitting to it and going, well, let's explore, let's see. And he starts off asking these questions about if, if you had to notice one part of you that maybe is involved in this conflict, just see what comes up, see if there is a feeling, a particular sensation or a name, see what, what bubbles up. And Instantly, I had this, what I would call now the dedicated part, which is sort of a part of me that says, you just have to 
pick somebody and then work really hard at it and stay dedicated. The way to think about love and relationship is not finding it. It's not being inspired by it. It's creating it with hard work and dedication, right? Building a life together. Nobody's ever going to be perfect. There's no movie like romance. So the way an adult deals with this is you pick a good person. You pick somebody that has some really important must-haves and maybe some nice-to-haves. Then you accept their weaknesses and you dedicate your life and you commit fully to it, not holding back. No matter how difficult things will be, ups and downs, whatever the fuck, you are a man and you dedicate yourself and commit yourself to that relation. That's how you create love. Simple. Was that correct? <laughs> okay. I love your laughter. But that's one part, part of me, right? Then yeah, he goes yeah, on yeah. and says, well, now that we've discovered that part, you know, put it on the seed and think about maybe where the where a conflict could be coming up. What is an opposing force within you to that part? Try to see if a thought comes up, an image, a sensation, an emotion, a memory, something comes up. Just listen inside for that. And instantly, I feel this other part of me, let's call it the freedom seeker part of me, and that fucker is not, you know, the first one is sort of like sitting very straight or, or standing very straight, you know, like how you would imagine something that's very dedicated, very stoic. Yeah. And this part is leaning back on a chair, feet on the desk, hands behind the head and has uh -huh. an arrogant smirk and is sort of like, fuck all this shit. Love relationship is for dumb people. It's for little children and little princesses that want to believe in some prince. All this humans, you know, are not reliable. Humans are up or down, are selfish. Just fucking be free. Freedom is the only thing that matters. Fuck love. Freedom trumps love. Just live your life. Treat yourself. Be in a love affair with yourself. Travel the world. Just do whatever you want and make sure you're never chained to anything or anyone. Because you can't trust these people. Even the per if you find the most amazing person today, they will disappoint you tomorrow. In five years and ten years, will anyone be growing as fast as you? No, they won't. Eventually, you're going to be dragging them Behind you, they're going to be slowing you down. They're going to disappoint you. And then you're going to have to diminish yourself to match them and make them comfortable versus them pushing you up, making you better. This thing, this love thing, it's not real, right? I mean, you can, I mean, love, sure, but like a relationship with one person forever or a very, very long time, rest of your life, that's bullshit. I thought, okay, you know, these two parts... They seem to be an obvious conflict. That makes kind of sense. And then he says, just for a moment, maybe we can put one of those two into a waiting room so we can just get to know one part without any interruption, without any conflict, without any anything, right? So one part can just go and chill in a waiting room while we get to know one part. And we can tell the part we're sending to the waiting room that we promise will come back and then the other part will be in the waiting room and we'll dedicate all our attention to getting to know it better. And while I was trying to do that and I was following along and all this made perfect sense to me, a third part popped up 
sort of a third image that I didn't invite. I'm glad to hear that. Well, <laughs> I don't like the first and second part. <laughs> well, and the third image that popped up was, let's call it the lover. And there was a part that didn't feel like any of the other two, but it seemed to be heavily engaged in the conflict. So I was like, oh, I have a three-part conflict here, you know, not a two-part conflict. Mm. And that was the part of me that just wanted to completely dissolve in love, like to completely experience love. And I know that that's a very, there's a part of me that's very sweet, and very tender and wants to surrender into love, right? And wants to love fully and heavy handedly. And so as I was experiencing, feeling the presence of that part, I was like, ooh, Right, so we have the, the dedicated part, the lover part, and the freedom-seeking part. And then I started going through with this exercise of, you know, how do these parts relate to each other and think about each other? What are the belief systems of these parts and how do they interact with each other? And I didn't, I didn't solve the question of love and relationship. I didn't solve anything, but a great many things made a lot more sense to me. And I was, I was thinking... Aha, uh -huh. this is complicated. This is a complicated group, you know, and it <laughs> creates, you know, complicating circumstances for me, you know, and very confusing at times and very conflicting changes in perception, reality, emotions. And I really, I really go through wild tornado rides when I enter the sphere of even thinking or considering or experiencing relationship and love and it and it feels still but for sure up until today's session it always feels that it's very hard for me to sustain any level of full presence like i have enough presence at times that i could think of wow i seem to be terrified right now wanting to run away or i seem to be forcing myself to do certain things to be good to this other person so I'm catching that and the feelings, but what I'm not, what I hadn't had a framework for is to unblend, which you would call an internal family systems unblending, which is the separation of that part and the feelings and the thoughts and yourself to be able to really observe it and experience it versus being it or being immersed or overwhelmed or occupied by it. And so, I would have enough self to experience, oh, right now my mood has shifted radically without anything external happening. And now where in one moment I was in delightful bliss, now I'm in, in intense terror. And what the fuck, what happened? Nothing happened. Why is my mood changing? Why is my inner dialogue changing? And then maybe I would get to the point of trying to say, let's calm down. These are just feelings. Let's not fully trust them. And let's ask, what can I do to feel better? Like that was my, that's as far as I've gotten in the past. And now I wonder within the IFS framework, because I've experienced this in some other situations where I've been better at asking questions in a way that helped me unblend and then it was much easier for me to fully understand, observe, and then resolve situations within me. 
And so I'm curious to see how, if at all, this is going to help when I'm in these situations, but it was at least very interesting. It's kind of very refreshing going to something like this. And the first part and the second, I had not thought about it that way, but it was not that surprising, right? I'm like, oh, you know, a very dedicated voice in my head. I'm like, yeah, I get that. I know that. Mm -hmm. And ooh, freedom seeking voice. The thing that was interesting or and I hadn't considered before was that the freedom seeking voice was very arrogant. It was like a little shit. Like mm. just it, it was also clearly much younger. It was more kind of like an 18 year old part of me. And that part was yeah. so cynical about people that he thought he had figured out people and people didn't deserve certain things. And so you, you should be selfish. Right. And fuck all this. People love you because you provide all this value because you're so successful. You're this, you're that. So people are impressed by you. People are charmed by your charisma. People admire, but you know, and then they think they're in love, but that doesn't, all that doesn't, all this is just theater for small people. You're better than this. Just don't change yourself to anybody. And that was, that was interesting. I never, I knew there was a part of me that just wanted freedom, but I'd never looked at that part and thought, Ooh, there's a real arrogance to it. And there's also a real immaturity to it. Like I had not known that, let's say, but then it was delightful in some way to have this third thing pop up, although it didn't fit into the framework or anything that he was saying in the audio course, right? He was like, uh -huh. he focused on two parts and then we put one outside and now we'll talk to one. But while we're about to talk to one, this <laughs> other presence yep. popped up and forced itself in front of the one. And that's like, Hello? Yeah. And, and that, the delightful thing about that is that it feels both surprising and so authentic, like a, a real, it's mm -hmm. like a real discovery of sorts, where everything mm -hmm. that he guided me through, although there were insights there that were new or distinct, I was being guided, right? So I don't know. It just felt yeah. like he's taking me by hand and I'm just following his path. But this thing yeah. happened because in my mind that part popped up and was like wait a second there's me as well let's make sure that yeah. i'm involved in this intervention yeah. here and something about that was just awesome like i don't know i just i'm delighted when i'm surprised by my mind right so that was just something that seemed dude, out of even script. me i was i was so happy once that dude entered the room <laughs> <laughs> that's so interesting you're like jesus christ these two parts suck <laughs> yeah. i hope he has another part that is not terrible <laughs> yeah but you know the the funny enough when i thought about how these three these three related to each other the lover part uh -huh. didn't relate at all to the other two parts the lover part was sort of not not having any judgments about the other two parts but more in a I'm very desperate and a bit malnourished. And so it was just waiting to, whenever I'll get it, almost like whenever I get an opportunity, I will love as hard as I can until somebody takes away the reins again. You know what I mean? And, it, and when I would ask, what is your opinion of these parts? It was just sort of like, I don't know. I'm just waiting here for the next opening to love and everything else doesn't really matter to me that much. While... The freedom-seeking part was incredibly arrogant and judgmental towards the other two parts, both a dedicated one, which he thought was stupid and misguided, 
and the lover part, which I thought was also stupid and misguided. And the dedicated part was judgmental towards the other twos as well, not with as much arrogance, mm -hmm. the bit more maturity, but still thinking, yeah. yeah, you know, the lover part, that's nice, but that's not what it really takes. It's all about dedication yeah. and you know, committing yourself. That's really not the love thing. And the freedom one is just a little shit that knows nothing. So it was also kind of dismissing the other two parts. It's just, it was just interesting to observe that dynamic within me and within these parts and images in a way that seemed not thought. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't seem like I was thinking. Yeah, it's that. almost you know, more like discovered. Yes, it was more something you found within yourself yeah, that was I, already I, there. I was observing rather than thinking and um, there's a difference and, and sometimes they yeah they're hard to distinguish. yeah and you yeah. can do one while thinking you're doing the other but there's a part of me that then still knows right now i'm not quite full yeah. and i had this many times doing ifs honestly i mean many times i've gone to places where i asked an open question and i couldn't get an answer or hear it uh -huh. and then my mind would go into constructing answers as options is it maybe yeah. this is yeah, it maybe I that it. i get it and then I would have to stop myself and go, well, I'm just, maybe this is as far as we can go today. I go, maybe this is as far mm -hmm. as this part is trusting me, but I don't want to come up with the most plausible answer, you know, in my mind. I want to hear it. I want to uncover yeah. it. And so you have to be quite, and I had to be quite, still have to be quite diligent. You have to be kind of on the lookout for that because it's an mm -hmm. easy thing for your mind and you to do while pretending it's doing something else. Like you're yeah. playing discovery while your mind is feeding you the, be the yeah. best quote unquote answer. And so it was just nice and delightful to have a session like this where some surprising things happened and some dynamics played out where I was just more or less observing and there was very little thinking involved on my side and that I was very refreshed by the whole thing, thinking, oh, this was some important, interesting insights. I want to get to know all these parts better. I want to play, pay more attention to them and let's see what unfolds. Let's see, let's see if we can, if I can get within myself to a place that is less, where there's just less conflict, where we can get the parts to collaborate and can get myself to lead versus me getting lost and blended within those parts and confused by the wild swings of feelings and thoughts that I'm going through when by all accounts, nothing is happening in the outside world, mm -hmm. right? I'm just like, mm -hmm. I'm just sitting here and nothing has happened within the last three seconds, but my mood went from deeply in love to in panic or completely cynical. And I'm like, how, where is all, like, I am always, I always felt a couple of steps behind, confused about where we're going, you know, just like, where is my, mm -hmm. where are my feelings going and why? You know, I can't quite mm -hmm. catch it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, uh, yeah. I, I was excited today in the session where I thought, all right, some of this makes sense and I'll be mindful and I'll pay more attention and let's see what we can figure out and let's see if we can resolve some of this polarization and some of this conflict and see if I can get to smoother waters inside. Yeah. yeah. Can you, can you tell me more about the lover? That was the part that I had 
the least specific image. Mm -hmm. Like the dedicated part and the free seeking part that were more outlined for me. Whereas the lover, I was experiencing more as not as a person or personality, but almost just like a, as an energy, like a deep red energy and just like I, it had let less form, less distinction. Also, when I was asking it about the other parts, I couldn't get much from it yet. And I wonder if that's just a less familiar part to me. So it might take some time to get to know, or maybe be, because there's maybe, you know, less trust in that relationship. So it might take a bit more time for that part to open itself up. But I had lesser information, less details. It was much more broad in, in my perception. And I've had this, remember we had talked about my inner critic and the clenching of the teeth and the tense jaw and how I've been trying, to, anytime I would ask questions to some other parts in some of these sessions, I would get good answers. But then when I would ask that part questions, I would get nothing. And there was a sort of a feeling of, I'm not talking to you. You know, once I got something and that translated to a none of your fucking business, right? So, and I, and I went through many sessions, mm -hmm. very small steps, feeling a, you know, a distrust. And then later there was one of these elliptical sessions that I did where for the first time I had a, a bigger aha moment where I felt, where that part told me that it felt that I was incredibly arrogant towards it. Did we talk about this? I think that we talked about this, right? And that I had not been listening to it and dismissing it. And my stance is basically, I know everything my inner critic has to tell me, and it doesn't matter. It's either not important, or I already know it, or it's too critical, or it's not helpful. And I, never, I would have never guessed in a million years the thought process of yeah. my inner critic thinks I'm too arrogant towards it. Yeah, it's yeah. not something I would have naturally surprising. thought. Very surprising. Yeah. But yeah. once I thought it, once it came to me, it was so obvious to me. It was mm -hmm. like, of course, because it is actually true. Mm -hmm. I yeah. do not care for my inner critic's points because I feel like I yeah. know this shit. I know, you know, I didn't do everything humanly possible today. I know that I could do so much more. I know if I was a perfect human, I could have worked harder here and harder there and done this and done that. I know all this, but how is this helping me? This isn't helping. And today, I had another session with my inner critic. And I really didn't want to, he, you know, this audio, this online course, I'm not sure. I think it's really meant that you do one exercise after another, but maybe not in like a three sessions at a time cadence, maybe in a three sessions at a time. I don't know. I'm an elliptical. As long as I'm running, I'm listening. As long as I'm listening, I'm uh -huh. doing the exercises, right? I'm just yeah. like yeah. not stopping. And so he brought up like, let's find a part. Let's work with a part a little bit that's maybe negative, maybe something you're afraid of or something you have conflict with. And intuitively, I actually wanted to go to a vulnerable part of me. And he said distinctly, don't go to something maybe vulnerable. Let's go to a managing part, yada, yada, yada. And then I was like, ah, I don't know. My intuition was to go to something maybe what he would call an exile, something that is very burdened and maybe put away. 
And I know that he, I think Richard Schwartz is a bit more critical of people doing self-therapy with their vulnerable parts. I think that he thinks that that can be tricky or dangerous. So he's like, let's go to a manager part. And then I thought, all right, whatever. He's like, and if you have difficulty picking one right now, just lots of people go to their inner critic. Let's just start there. And I'm like, all right, let's do another session with the inner critic. But I felt like I've done a lot with that part of me. So it's not necessarily the first pick. But then, then once the exercise has started, you know, I've asked that inner critic a number of times by now, hey, if you could do any other job, what would it be? And I'll tell you something. You know, I mean, you've seen another picture of me of how beat up I look in the morning. And we've talked about yeah. this, I think, many times before, how for the past two years for sure, I've had this challenge of, I sleep enough hours. I do all the recommended things you should do to sleep well. I tracked my sleep and my quality of sleep is very high. You know, it has all the markers that you would want. But when I wake up, I feel beat up. I don't feel refreshed. And my face looks like it had been beat up and in turmoil. And... I've been trying to figure this out for a long time. And, you know, for a while I was like, maybe this is all the inner conflict. Maybe this, you know, now feeling all the emotions. I don't know. Maybe I feel my inner anger at night when I'm not fully conscious. And I don't know. I went through many different theories. None of them and none of the things I did had any significant impact on the way I feel when I wake up in the morning. Recently, for the past two or three days, I did something quite unexpected in the morning. Usually I wake up, my mind, there's a, my mind is actually playing pop songs, right? It's actually like in this, let's go, let's go, let's go mood. But my yeah. face is so tense and so tired and exhausted. My body feels so tense and tired that I walk out and I barely can open my eyes. It doesn't matter if I slept six hours, eight hours, 12 hours. I wake up and I'm always like, oh, exhausted. And... It takes so much time to get me going that in that time, sometimes if I don't pay attention, I might, you know, I might let that physical sensation get me into just a bad mood where I just don't want to do anything, mm. right? And then maybe make some bad choices. Maybe I'll choose to eat food that's not as healthy because I just feel so terrible and I just want to feel better. Or maybe I'll, you know be on social media a bit longer than I should be instead of starting my writing exercise. You know what I mean? Like I'm just doing these things because yeah, I yeah. don't feel good. And for the yeah. past three days in the morning, I walked out of the, got out of bed. And then I walked into another room that has a bed, another bedroom. And I sat in that bed and I thought, well, who is the part that's in my, that is my body right now? Like this exhaustion is beat up. Which part of me is that? Instead of thinking of that as me, I thought of it as what they call in IFS, maybe a trailhead, right? A sensation, a thing, a phenomena that if you follow it might bring you to a really important place. And I was, maybe this morning's being exhausted. Maybe it's not myself waking up after maybe a tumultuous nights of different parts fighting or whatever. Maybe this is a part. And then I sat there and it was just trying to feel what that part feels and what I can learn, you know, the first two mornings where I did this, I didn't really go or get very far. There was no unique insight or anything like that. 
but I did feel better. Not in song 360, everything is gray and now it's rainbow colors, but in a, it was dark gray and we, you know, lifted it up a number of shades, right? In the color scheme, just it got light yeah. gray from dark gray. And it was like, oh, I feel a little lighter, a little less burden. Hmm. I don't know what it is, but this already felt good. So I'll, I'll, I'll follow this further. And yeah. today for the first time, I had a thought that came up to my mind. What if this is my inner critic? What if this, because it did feel like it felt, I felt exhausted and I felt my inner critic is exhausted. It, it, it felt so tense. And I was like, my inner critic is so tense. It has all these things to say and I've shut it up. Because my, my inner critic for the past two years has not been a voice that's talking all day long. I don't have a lot of critical inner dialogues. And when I have a sensation of you should be doing more, why am you, I always shut it up. I always go, shush, I know, but right now I'm doing different work or right now this is the best I can do. So there's no verbal presence of it. So I think it has migrated to a physical sense, which is this. <laughs> tension in the jaw. But I also, I also felt this morning that, well, if I like, because I've been in relationships in the past where for a long time I was hypercritical and couldn't talk to these people and it's very draining, right? It's, it's yeah. very like, yeah. I would carry all this tension, all these things I wanted to say and all this aggression and just, I would have to hold it in. It's very, very exhausting. And that I felt in the mornings, oftentimes I feel like I want to give up on the day. And then I felt my inner critic is almost at this point of like, I just want to give up on everything, like on this relationship on everything, because I cannot speak. I cannot keep it in. I don't know where to go with it. I'm not successful. Like I'm not useful, right? I'm not using my inner critic anymore at all. And I wondered, I was just wondering, huh? What if this is how my inner critic feels? And the only time I allow it is, you know, maybe towards in my sleep or towards the last hours of my sleep. So when I wake up, I'm blended with my critic and I just feel like shit. And, you know, I don't know. I didn't, it, it, it didn't come to me with some definitive, yes, here's a yeah, stamp yeah. of truth. Yeah. It just was yeah. there as a thought. And I yeah. was, huh, yeah. all right. And my mind was just thinking, Let's continue to follow this train of thought. Let's keep doing this. There's something interesting when in the morning I sit down and instead of trying to get out of this state or I feel a little complaining about the state. Why do I always feel I did everything so well last night? Why am I waking up like this? Which is one dialogue that I sometimes have or this, okay, what do I have to do to get out of this? Mm -hmm. I don't like how I feel. Let's get out of this. Instead of doing any of these two things, how about I just sit and just visit that feeling? Who is this that is so destroyed and exhausted? Who is this? You know, what does this want? And then today, when I was on the elliptical, I had already done the love conflict session. And this inner critic part comes up or practice or whatever you want to call it. I ask my inner critic, 
again, because he said, you know, ask that part, what would it rather want to do than, you know, whatever it's doing right now, if it could do anything. And for the first time, I got sort of a timid answer. And it was saying, well, you know, my mind went to, do you want to be the encourager? You know, do you want to just be the one that's encouraging me? And it was like, fuck no, I don't want to have that role. And then the answer that came was, you know, if I didn't have to be afraid of the consequences of you not having an inner critic and the things that I'm trying to prevent from happening, if that truly was a thing that could be done, like the, the worst consequence that I'm trying to protect you from is a consequence that doesn't exist anymore, if that's true. And up until this moment, that part of me was not willing to entertain that question. So it was for the first time thinking, okay, I'm not saying that I believe it, but if it was possible that what I'm trying to protect you from is not a valid threat anymore, and I could do anything else, I would want to be your challenger. Like the part of you that challenges you to do uncomfortable things that will make you better. Not criticize you so you don't fuck up but challenge you so you get better in ways that like in a way that is nudging, but not hammering. You know what I mean? Like just mm-hmm. because right now, like the, you know, the critic part is just hammering the same. It's just ringing the same bell, hammering the same nail. It's very obsessive, yeah. but this would be more yeah. if I didn't have to have all these fucking panics and fears, the, these threats I'm trying to save us from wouldn't exist then i would just sit there and i would you know challenge you when everything else inside of you just wants to make you happy right i'd be like hey i think we could do more here up for the challenge what if you did this let's go and i would like bring up challenges rather than anything else and then i thought you know okay that sounds fair enough that sounds like a good thing that sounds like a authentic part of myself and then that was like for a little second, there was a, a dialogue that was going on where the inner critic basically said, without using these words, but it was mainly the message of, like, listen, motherfucker, you have not, you have paid attention to so many fucking parts of you, right? Last year, all the feelings are important now, all of them, right? like exploring uh, uh, love and tenderness and sadness and grief and writing, feeling uh, fucking the diaries and you've been more resting and more loving and more less is more and not pushing yourself. Well, that's great, but I have been ignored. Like, you know, like my voice, anything I have to say is being shoved to the side and has nothing of legitimacy anymore. So, I don't believe for a second that if I change what I did, like you would pay attention to it. And I thought, all right, what would be a first challenge? Let's just try something. Let's just do a challenge. What would be a first challenge? And then it was obvious. We've talked about this for a long time now. I've had the desire to write more. And recently I've had the frustration of not really making progress on writing a lot more lately. Right. Yeah. And so Instantly, the thought came to mind, well, do 30 minutes of writing for 30 days. No exceptions. 
No, today I'm gentle to myself and I'm not doing it. It's just 30 minutes, just every day. And there was a little fear of mine that I was like, you know, 30 minutes is, we could start slower. We could just do 15 minutes, right? 30 minutes. Is, and it was like, you little bitch, it's 30 minutes, not three hours, 30 minutes. <laughs> this, you want to tell me you cannot do 30 minutes in a 24-hour day. Are you this busy? And the truth is no. It's like, so 30 minutes, just say yes or fuck off. And I was like, all right, let's try it. And today I did. I did 30 minutes of writing, which is the most writing nice. I've done in a long time, I think, in a while. And besides, you know, the, the one surprising thing is that it was very easy. The other thing was that it was very creative. Like, I, I like the writing I did. There's a, I mean, it's all, it's not something to publish, but I liked doing it. It was very yeah, natural. You joy. And, and there was something satisfying in me that was thinking, okay, this is, I mean, I would have done, I've done many challenges before in my life, but it felt like, it felt like I'm doing it for a different reason, which was kind of, it felt satisfying. I don't know. So let's see. But I do have the impression that as I am, as I'm discovering this inner critic part, and as in the beginning, that part, the relationship seemed not good at all. And there seemed to be very little trust. I wasn't making significant progress. Like anytime I interacted with it in the early days, all I like, I mean, it was still significant progress because I was learning. Wow. That part doesn't want to talk. Wow, that part is very closed off. Oh, there's no trust. What could be the reason why that part isn't trusting me? Right? And as I kept visiting that part of me, and as I keep an open mind, and as I keep an honest effort and a curiosity, today felt like the first time after I've done, I don't know, 10 different sessions in various forms an exercise of like trying to visit my inner critic or get to know it better. Today was the first time where I felt that it was opening up a little bit and giving me something, right? Trusting me a bit. Um, and that felt really good. And, and that was also a reconfirmation. It was funny to me that when he was suggesting to go to the inner critic, I thought, uh, I'd rather discover something new. I've done so mm -hmm. much with it. Maybe let me yeah. do something else. But then as I had the patience to go and visit that part again, something very satisfying happened. And I thought bringing this patient to that part of me every day is what's needed to repair the relationship and maybe get to a really good place together. Because I, I know it's been one of the biggest things that has been bothering me in my emotional inner world over the past two years has been this tension I can't shake off and that eventually manifested itself in this jaw tension that is, you know, that is hounding me in this, these mornings that I'm like, yeah. you know, so drowned and drained by. And I, I don't know, maybe I'll follow down this trailhead and I'll arrive somewhere really beautiful that doesn't resolve all these issues, right? Because there's other, other parts that I'm not Who aware knows, of. Yeah. Who knows? But it's been, it's such a beautiful metaphor for life 
because the this inner relationship building this inner relationship repairing follows a very universal melody and pattern right the leadership you have to present the patience the openness when there's not trust when there's polarized parts when there's conflict within a system to generate so much tension and pain and conflict and it's so difficult for each part individually to understand why things are happening the way they're happening and how to resolve them because every single part is looking at itself and maybe a few others but is missing the bigger picture and maybe doesn't have the position to really resolve and so bringing that kind of tenderness and patience and openness within yourself within the parts of yourself that you might be in conflict with that you don't like that you want to avoid that you want to change has a has a beautiful quality to it and sometimes it's difficult today it was just very gratifying